I am Dr. Barbara Kiel, and some clients of mine prefer to call me Dr. Bibi. And to be honest, I quite like it. Welcome to my podcast. To be honest, a podcast that is born out of mental health efficacy. I believe in the power of intention, and my intention for this podcast is to educate whoever wishes to listen, and to make a paradigm shift in how we perceive mental illness. I also believe mental health education is key, and that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is to invest. In your own mental health. Let's face it, we all need to learn how our minds work, and have the skills to deal with life's ups and downs. And more importantly, let us strengthen our ability to better connect with and support each other. Strong, empathetic. Nurturing and caring relationships have the power to prevent everyday challenges from becoming more concerning issues like mental illness. The responsibility to renew focus on your own mental well-being begins now. Hello, welcome. Let us set the energy of this episode together. You may wish to put your hand on your heart. And close your eyes, of course, unless you are driving or operating heavy machinery. Take a deep breath in, and as you exhale, let your thoughts go. Let your worries go, and let your past go. Now, take a moment to plug into the greater energy of the universe. Feel your heart, and imagine us all connected in a unified field of divine white light. And know that you are safe, all is well, and so it is. So take another deep breath in, and then exhale out loud. And when you are ready, slowly open your eyes. What is love? What is authentic love? And what is your definition of love? How do you define it? As I was preparing for this episode, I was thinking to myself, well, which nation on earth is the most romantic? Now, if they are romantic, then most likely they will know what love is, right? Is it the French? Or the Italians? I'm not so sure. To be honest, I am thinking about the Greeks. Actually, it's the Greek language, to be exact, because the Greeks had the good sense to break love into four levels. The Greek word storge, S-T-O-R-G-E, which is often referred to as natural or instinctual affections, such as love of a parent or offspring or kinship. Philia, the Greek word, was friendship. 
Eros, E-R-O-S, was sexual and romantic love. And finally, unconditional love or divine love was known as agape, A-G-A-P-E. So in other words, the Greeks might interpret this sentence, I love you, but I'm not in love with you, to mean I feel philia toward you, but not eros. To be honest, the ancient Greeks once thought love is a serious mental disease, and love is a madness, and it was the Greeks who coined the phrase lovesick. I'm sure you agree with me when I say many of us show love in the ways we hope to receive love. The golden rule of doing unto others as you would have others do unto you, so to speak. But this assumes your partner defines love the same way you do. In fact, the couples that come through my consultation room have been missing the mark for years. By the time they come to couples counseling, they have had years of pain and hurt because they have made too many assumptions about love. Or worse, both partners have one or more myths about love. There is a book I often recommend to my clients. It's Gary Chapman's Five Love Languages. Now, this is a popular book, so I wouldn't be surprised if some of you have already read it. So may this be a reminder. And for those who haven't, well, this episode will definitely interest you. And if you want to dive deeper, then purchase the book and read it from front to back. So, according to Gary Chapman, love language number one, words of affirmation, and I quote, Mark Twain once said, I can live for two months on a good compliment. If we take Twain literally, six compliments a year would have kept his emotional love tank at the operational level. Your spouse will probably need more. One way to express love emotionally is to use words that build up. Solomon, author of the ancient Hebrew wisdom literature, wrote, The tongue has the power of life and death. Many couples have never learned the tremendous power of verbally affirming each other. Solomon further noted, An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. Verbal compliments or words of appreciation are powerful communication of love. They are best expressed in simple, straightforward statements of affirmation such as, You look sharp in that suit, darling. Do you ever look nice in that dress? Wow. You must be the best potato cook in the world. I love these potatoes. I really appreciate your washing the dishes tonight. Thanks for getting the babysitter lined up tonight. I want you to know I don't take that for granted. I really appreciate your taking the garbage out. What would happen to the emotional climate of a marriage if the husband and wife heard such words of affirmation regularly? Unquote. So, my audience, I'm sure you get the message. 
giving verbal compliments is only one way to express words of affirmation to your partner or anybody that you love, for that matter. And another dialect is encouraging words. The word encourage means to inspire courage. All of us have areas in which we feel insecure. We lack courage, and that lack courage often hinders us from accomplishing the positive things that we would like to do. So, words of affirmation is for us to give compliments, to encourage our loved ones. Particularly when we talk about romantic relationship, would be our spouse, partner, and if your spouse's love language is words of affirmation, that means words are important to them. So if you speak words of affirmation regularly to your spouse or partner, that definitely will strengthen your relationship. In the book, Chapman also suggested some exercise that one can do. For one week, keep a written record of all the words of affirmation you give your spouse each day. At the end of the week, sit down with your spouse or partner and review your record. Let's say on Monday you said you really look nice in that outfit. I really appreciate your picking up the laundry, and ask your partner's feedback on how well or how poorly. You are speaking words of affirmation. Another exercise is to set a goal to give your spouse a different compliment each day for one month. If an apple a day keeps the doctor away, maybe a compliment a day will keep the counselor away. You may want to record these compliments also, so you will not duplicate the statements. Love language number two: quality time. And I quote: "By quality time, I mean giving someone your undivided attention. I don't mean sitting on the couch watching television together. When you spend time that way, ABC or NBC has your attention, not your spouse." When I mean in sitting on the couch with the TV off, looking at each other and talking, giving each other your undivided attention, it means taking a walk, just the two of you, or going out to eat and looking at each other and talking. Have you ever noticed that in a restaurant, you can almost always tell the difference between a dating couple and a married couple? Dating couples look at each other and talk. Married couples sit there and gaze around the restaurant. When I sit on the couch with my wife and give her twenty minutes of my undivided attention, and she does the same for me, we are giving each other twenty minutes of life. We will never have those twenty minutes again. We are giving our lives to each other. It is a powerful emotional communicator of love. Unquote. Chapman continued, and I quote: "A central aspect of quality time is togetherness. I do not mean proximity. Togetherness has to do with focused attention. Two people sitting in the same room are in close proximity, but they are not necessarily together. Togetherness has to do with focused attention." When a father is sitting on the floor rolling a ball to his two-year-old, his attention is not focused on the ball but on his child. For that brief moment, however long it lasts, they are together. 
If, however, the father is talking on the phone while he rolls the ball, his attention is diluted. Some husbands and wives think they are spending time together when, in reality, they are only living in close proximity. They are in the same house at the same time, but they are not together. A husband who is watching sports on television while he talks to his wife is not giving her quality time, because she does not have his full attention. Like words of affirmation, the language of quality time also has many dialects. One of the most common dialects is that of quality conversation. By quality conversation, I mean sympathetic dialogue where two individuals are sharing their experiences, thoughts, feelings, and desires in a friendly, uninterrupted context. Most individuals who complain that their spouse does not talk to do not mean literally that he or she never says a word. They mean that he or she seldom takes part in sympathetic dialogue. If your spouse's primary love language is quality time, such dialogue is crucial to his or her emotional sense of being loved. Quality conversation is quite different from the first love language. Words of affirmation focus on what we are saying, whereas quality conversation focuses on what we are hearing. If I am sharing my love for you by means of quality time, and we are going to spend time in conversation, it means I will focus on drawing you out, listening sympathetically to what you have to say. I will ask questions, not in a badgering manner, but with a genuine desire to understand your thoughts, feelings, and desires. Learning to talk. Quality conversation requires not only sympathetic listening, but also self-revelation. When a wife says, "I wish my husband would talk," I never know what he's thinking or feeling. She is pleading for intimacy. She wants to feel close to her husband, but how can she feel close to someone whom she doesn't know? In order for her to feel loved. He must learn to reveal himself. If her primary love language is quality time and her dialect is quality conversation, her emotional love tank will never be filled until he tells her his thoughts and feelings. Self-revelation does not come easy for some of us. Many adults grew up in homes where the expression of thoughts and feelings was not encouraged but condemned. To request a toy was to receive a lecture on the sad state of family finances. The child went away feeling guilty for having the desire, and he quickly learned not to express his desires. When he expressed anger, the parents responded with harsh and condemning words. Thus, the child learned that expressing angry feelings is not appropriate. If the child was made to feel guilty for expressing disappointment at not being able to go to the store with his father, he learned to hold his disappointment inside. By the time we reach adulthood, many of us have learned to deny our feelings. We are no longer in touch with our emotional selves. The place to begin is by getting in touch with his feelings. Becoming aware that he is an emotional creature, in spite of the fact that he has denied that part of his life. If you need to learn the language of quality conversation, begin by noting the emotions you feel away from home. 
Carry a small notepad and keep it with you daily. Three times each day, ask yourself, "What emotions have I felt in the last three hours? What did I feel on the way to work when the driver behind me was riding my bumper? What did I feel when I stopped at the gas station and the automatic pump did not shut off and the side of the car was covered with gas?" What did I feel when I got to the office and found that my secretary had been assigned to a special work project for the morning? What did I feel when my supervisor told me that the project I was working on had to be completed in three days when I thought I had another two weeks? Write down your feelings in the notepad and a word or two to help you remember the event corresponding to the feeling. So your event. List may look like tailgater feelings, feeling angry, event at the gas station, feeling very upset, event having no secretary, feeling disappointed, the event work project due in three days, feeling frustrated and anxious. Do that exercise three times a day, and you will develop an awareness of your emotional nature. Using your notepad, communicate your emotions and the events briefly with your spouse as many days as possible. In a few weeks, you will become comfortable expressing your emotions with him or her, and eventually, you will feel comfortable discussing your emotions toward your spouse, your children, and the events that occur within the home. Remember, emotions themselves are neither good nor bad. They are simply our psychological responses to the events of life. Quality activities, in addition to the basic love language of quality time, or giving your spouse your undivided attention, is another dialect called quality activities. At a recent marriage seminar, I asked couples to complete the following sentence: "I feel most loved by my husband, wife, partner." When blank, here is the response of a twenty-nine-year-old husband who has been married for eight years. I feel most loved by my wife when we do things together, things I like to do, and things she likes to do. We talk more. It sort of feels like we are dating again. That is a typical response of individuals whose primary love language is quality time. The emphasis is on being together, doing things together, giving each other undivided attention. Unquote. At the end of the chapter, Chapman suggested some exercise again for love language number two, quality time. So I'm going to cover two here, and if you're interested in the rest, you have to purchase the book. For example, he said, "Take a walk together through the old neighborhood where one of you grew up. Ask questions about your spouse's childhood. Ask what are the fun memories of your childhood. Then, what was most painful about your childhood?" Another exercise is ask your spouse for a list of five activities that he or she would enjoy doing with you. Make plans to do one of them each month for the next five months. I often suggest to my clients to have date nights at least 
once a week. So my audience, it seems that I only managed to cover two love languages out of the five from Gary Chapman. So next week I shall cover the other three. And thank you for listening. Until next week, stay safe, learn heaps, and find the courage to be honest. Bye for now. Find this podcast, to be honest, on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and my website, www.drbarbarakiao.com. D R B A R B A R A K I A O.com. <laughs>